episode 65, 66 even, of your favourite football podcast, By the Fans, For the Fans, with your boy, Cal Sirius, alongside my man. Like, Ash, what's happening? I miss your like. <laughs> I might have to bring that back then. I kind of switched up the, the routine, didn't I? Free yeah, off. you caught me. Caught me off guard, but I was still... <laughs> Nah, I was ready, I was ready. What's happening? How are you? Yeah, you got you gotta be bobbing and weaving, man. Gotta come back off the ropes. Oh, <laughs> um what what's happening is a lot of crazy stuff in the world of football and um I guess it's the winter break, isn't it? It's the winter break that people have been uh, wanting for a while and we've got one and we've got the internationals on and we're all missing the Premier League, I suppose. I know I am. Yeah, it was a quiet weekend, man. Really quiet. Um, most definitely, and uh, I personally, I haven't had much of a stake in the African Cup of Nations. I thought it was going to be different, Ash. I kind of thought that I would have been watching a lot more football, but I tell you what, when Ghana got knocked out in that kind of fashion, it just put the mm. most sour taste in my mouth for the whole tournament. I was like, ah, forget this, man. Like, I just got way too emotional, and um, I was just I couldn't believe it. Partey came back so quick. Three games, two L's, <laughs> draw. Just came back to get sent off. <laughs> ah, <laughs> shambles all round. Mm. Shambles all round. Bottom of the group, out of the tournament. Didn't even beat the new nation that we talked about on the last show. Um, I can't even remember the name right now. That's how new they are. Like it's just. Ugh. A shocking performance. A shocking performance from a big nation that you would expect to do better. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so that's kind of been the end of really my excitement. Because when Ghana lost to Comoros, it was like, right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm so done. But hopefully it hasn't been like that for our listeners. And I'm sure lots of people have been enjoying this tournament all around the world. Um, where we are right now, you know, we've got Cameroonie top group A, Senegalie top mm. group B, um, Morocco top group C, Egypt who finished second in group D. Um, these are the big boys in the tournament right now, and um, we've had our quarterfinal first uh match, which was Burkina Faso versus Tunisia. Mm. Ended in an absolute shock. Shocker. Burkina Faso, Manson off, still won the game. One new Tunisia out of the tournament. I mean, mm. I, I just didn't expect that. I really didn't expect that. Tunisia mm. being a nation that has had some real quality players over the years. Um, Burkina, Burkina Faso, maybe not so. And um, that's one that I really didn't expect to see. Um, I'm not sure if you got got a chance to watch any of that match at all yourself, Derish. Nah, um, I haven't watched too much of the tournament. Um, I watched the I watched the, the next game we're going to talk about. But um, yeah, it's a big it's a big show, and I think it's it's quite nice to see a different kind of team. Like Burkina Faso haven't always been like that much of a powerhouse, and we know Tunisia have had some some really good teams. They've been to World Cups and they faced England in in, in the World Cup as well. Um, 
So yeah, it's just it's it's good and to have a man sent off and to be able to get through it and to do all of that stuff like it's it's a it's a big it's a big achievement for them and they will they will face um the winner of the Senegal and um the Senegal game that's taking place at the moment. Like it's 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 crazy. It's a lot. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's so much happening in this tournament, but um, no, it's good. It's good. I think, I think what's what's looking likely to happen is there's going to be like three powerhouses, and then there's going to be this 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 one team which is completely just kind of thrown throwing things off. So yeah, shout out, shout out to Kino Faso who will definitely be the the fourth the fourth favorite, but they're probably the eighth favorite going into this round of games, and they and they still survive. So yeah, I, I respect it. I respect it. I mean, yeah, they've they've definitely done what they've had to do. Now that you've mentioned favourites, um, mm. that was something I wanted to look at in a little bit, but um, I did have some parts over it somewhere. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, here we go. In, in terms of being a favourite, it was never really written in the stars for Pequeno Faso to be that. Um, but. Um, yeah, I mean they they they've definitely they've definitely done well, and um, overall favourites for winning the tournament, which we can ten to one for Burkina Faso. So clearly, let me know. We've got Egypt coming in at five to two. Um, so decent value actually. If you put twenty quid in Egypt, you're gonna get your twenty quid back, and you're gonna make fifty quid as well. Mm. And then you've got. Cameroon and Senegal tied as the odds-on favourites to win the tournament. Okay. Um, interesting. Obviously, two huge nations, um, Cameroon and Senegal there. Who knows what's going to happen with those teams? Senegal um, won a lot, by the way. They just scored. Look at that. So, as we're recording this, it's Sunday evening. And Senegal versus Equatorial Guinea is live right now. Um, you know, of course, Senegal being one of the favourites, as we just discussed, you're going to expect them to go through in this game. Who knows? Maybe there could be some great goals being scored. You, you watching it live, are you, Ash? Nah, I'm focusing on the pod because otherwise I'll be like, <laughs> ooh, ah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm being, I'm being good. It'll be good to keep track of the score if the if and when the goals come in. Uh, keep the info coming. Yeah, we'll do. Um, so Gambia lost uh, 0-2 to Cameroon mm. obviously we just talked about Cameroon being one of the favourites um, he's yeah. got a lot of goals man Cameroon they, they one thing about them is they, they're, like, they're here to play attacking football so yeah like two second half goals um, it can be um, notched again in a tournament I think um yeah, and they play. I don't want to give too much away because we've got more games to come. But yeah, they they are the big semi final, the big semi final. And I actually think it's crazy because I spoke to one of my friends saying, I think I think it might be a Senegal Egypt final, and we're on track for that right now. Um, so yeah, um, it's really interesting. I'd like to see that. Salah versus Mane Well that's how it's going to be pitched That's how it's going to be pitched But but as you know like There's obviously 11 players there But Cameroon 
are a very strong competitor. Like they really embrace home home the um home advantage, and I wouldn't put it past them to kind of like rattle to rattle their feathers. I don't think it's clear cut. I really don't. I think um I think Cameroon could actually do Egypt. I don't I don't know if they will, but I definitely think it's possible. Definitely think it's possible. So. Actually, looking ahead to the fixtures um, of the potential semi-final matchups here. Um, mentioning that they scored a lot of goals, Cameroon have actually got the two top goal scorers from the tournament, mm. Vincent Abubakar and Carl Toko Akambi. Toko Akambi is a player I know from playing in the, in the Spanish league, um, mm. although I think he's moved to club uh, more recently. Um, yeah, he's playing, in, he's playing football in France for Lyon. Yeah. But um, yeah, with, with having two attackers on great form, uh, Toko Akambi with five goals, Abu Bakr with six, you'd think that anybody that they come up against are going to get it, man. That, that these guys are in form, obviously full of confidence, mm. um, top the group, and you know, and steamrolling through to the playoffs, man. So yeah. Yeah, these two these two are a problem these two are a real problem like 11 goals between them in the tournament that's a lot of goals <laughs> that like, is. Like, that's a lot of goals like certain teams haven't scored 11 goals in three tournaments so for two players to score that many goals in one tournament like I said you've got you've got two firing strikers you've got home advantage <sighs> I think this is a big no. problem for Egypt man it is a big 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 problem for Egypt mm. um 15 to 8 that they are and remember Egypt are 5 to 2 mm. so that means that even the bookies don't think that Egypt are going to win this is on mm. oddschecker.com by the way um, yeah we'll see like obviously Egypt Egypt had the best player in the tournament like and you but can't, is that enough? You can't, you can't of course it is <laughs> like, <laughs> you have, like you have the best player in the tournament the person who's he scored one today he set up another one that player is Mo Salah like he's, uh, he's he's here, and what and he's very much immersed in 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 this Egyptian team, and yeah, of course it's enough. Of course it's enough. If you if you if you got the best player in a tournament, and you give that best player in a tournament enough chances to do what he does best, he could fire you to glory. But like you said before, there's 11 players on the team, right? Mm. 22 players on the pitch. Anything could happen. Someone on the opposite team could have the best game of their life. Or they could just play as a team. Like we've seen in mm. European tournaments, we've seen uh, teams that maybe weren't the, the biggest, didn't have the biggest stars. They've managed mm. to perform well. And, and, and mm. we've seen Greece win a European tournament. We've seen a Portugal team without Cristiano Ronaldo um, going win a European tournament. It, like These things happen, man. No, 100%. But what I'm saying is, if we're, if we're saying that they've that Cameroon have got two people firing and we're talking about their firepower, you can't talk about firepower and not talk about Mo Salah. But has he done it in the tournament, though? But he scored the winning penalty. He scored He scored the, the only goal in, in a group game for them. He scored... He scored their equaliser in the quarterfinals and set up and set up the winner. He's not firing like they are. But he's being effective. He's he's scoring the goals that's actually putting the team through. He's doing his thing, and I'm sure um, Momo El Nene's doing his thing as well. But maybe there's only no, so much you can do. Maybe, <laughs> <he's>, 
I know he's really like seven days, bro. Like, I, he's saw dead. Some, I saw someone tweet that um that he was the player of the tournament so far. Bless him, he's, he's an Arsenal fan, so you know you got to stick up for your boy. You know. <laughs> Mohamed Elneny wouldn't say he's the player of the tournament so far, so let alone anyone else voting him for. I don't even know if his mum would say that. His mum would be like, oh, no, I prefer Mo Salah, not, not Elneny. But, yeah, um, there's always one deluded fan that will that, that, that will back it, right? Oh, for sure. There's always one. Um, well, there you go. There's, there's the latest coming out of West Africa. Um, Cameroon versus Egypt on the... 3rd of February that's coming up this Thursday um, that's going to be a cracker and then we've still got one live match playing right now Senegal versus Guinea I've still got nil nil on my scores here I don't know if a goal was ruled offside or disallowed or something but um, uh-huh. it's looking like it's going to be the winner of Burkina uh-huh. Faso 100% okay 100%. the winner of Burkina Faso versus Tunisia looks likely to be playing um, the winner of Senegal versus Guinea so we might just have Burkina Faso versus Senegal in the other semi-final. And that one's going to be on Wednesday at 7pm. Um, and then the final of the tournament is going to be on Sunday. So by the time we record, this cup will already have been won. So before we wrap this up, I'm going to have to ask you for a prediction now, Ash. Who is going to win this year's Africa Cup of Nations? Mm, Senegal. Yeah. I think Senegal will do it. Okay. Siding with your boy Mane. I like the way you ride for him still. He always goes back. Yeah, no, he's a good player, man. But yeah, I think maybe, I think they've got, they've got the easier semi-final. And then as a result, they may come into the final. Like, I think, I think Cameroon, Egypt might go to extra time and be like a really tough game. And I think Egypt have already, Egypt have played Morocco, had a tough game. Then they may have to play Cameroon and get through a tough game. I think Senegal might be just one game too far for them. So I think, and even like for Cameroon, Cameroon to beat Egypt is a big, is a big, big um, feat. So I think Senegal with how it's play set up, I expect them to be the team that win the title. I kind of see where you're going with that. Um, Senegal, you would expect that they have the most well-rounded team, right? Mendy of Chelsea in goal. Um, Koulibaly from uh, Italy. I think he's at Napoli at the moment, isn't he? Mm. Um, in, in the defence. Um, they've got players that play all over Europe. I think Guay is at um, Paris Saint-Germain. Um, then you've obviously got Mane of Liverpool. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you come up against a team like that, that's going to be problematic, Mm. However, you mentioned the home advantage before. That's something that you can't underestimate. Those home fans are going to be putting the battery in the back of the players. They're, they're scoring goals. They're in form. I think this is going to be their time to win the cup, man. I, I think if they don't do it now, maybe then when the next one comes around, they might not be in in a position to do so. So I think I think a lot of those players will have that sense of something that's greater than themselves. You know those kind of outside motivating factors. Yeah, can, can kind of push you to do things maybe you didn't even know you were capable of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think that's the kind of environment that Cameroon have right now. There's this, this sense of something greater, and this kind of I don't even know how to explain it, but you know this this 
external drive, like the support from the fans, the 12th man and all of that. It's all pushing them to the final. And, and I think they might just do it, man. I think they're going to beat Egypt and I think they're going to win the cup. Go on, go on, Cameroon. That's to see my West African brother shining anyway, because it's it's probably going to be West uh, Senegal in the final versus somebody else. So West Africa's winning man, all day. Um, moving on, we haven't got a whole lot of football to talk about. That's probably it. I don't know. I think there's another tournament on actually in um in South America. Just the qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers. Just qualifiers, yeah. So the first official team to to I think qualify was Australia the other day. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. yeah, they always they're always the first to kind of qualify. Um, Australia qualification. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that um they qualified the other day. Yeah, World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, yeah, they've qualified. Um, so yeah. Okay, I can just see a story there from the Guardian about Peru having a late winner against Colombia. So yeah, shout out to uh. South Americans watching the uh, the qualifiers. Um, we're in the other side of the world to you guys, so uh, unfortunately that that's not such a big deal for us. But I guess us having roots in Africa, mm. that that uh, tournament is a little bit more interesting to us over here. But yeah, maybe we'll, we'll be following a bit more qualifiers on the next pod um, and going forward. Um, over to general news. There's a lot of news regarding football transfers specifically. Um, but I'm actually thinking maybe what we should do is, is get the, the horrible news out of the way first. Oh, 100%. <laughs> transfers mean nothing compared to this news. So it, this might be breaking news to you guys. Um, but then again, probably not. Because by the time you listen to this, this would have been all over the papers. Um Mason Greenwood of Manchester United got a story here from Sky Sports. Um, the headline says, Mason Greenwood, Manchester United say forward won't train or play until further notice after assault allegations. So we've dealt with allegations before. And I think the last time we were talking about Ben Zamer involved in some allegations, I haven't heard anything more about that story, to be honest. Um, but I was talking to Ash just before the pod. And um, yeah, I was saying how me personally, I'm not a person that kind of like follows footballers on social media too much and and knows the kind of ins and outs what their characters like and, and where they're going and what they're doing you know and Mason Green was just a player that I like like I like his game I think he's young and he's got potential um maybe he hasn't cracked on to become the player I thought he would have been by now but maybe that's not all of his own fault you know maybe he was there was a bit of mismanagement going on there and stuff at the club whatever that's not the story the story is that he's supposed to be um supposed to have been assaulting his girlfriend now the, the wording is very precise in this article here um you know they don't want to get sued for slander or anything like that do they but we've seen some videos we've seen there was like a compilation video with a number of still images put together and then there was an audio recording which is supposed to be a voice note now i haven't listened to the voice note but i did see the still images 
and it looks bad it, it looks really bad um man it's a difficult subject to talk about um but it looks really bad. It, it i'm i'm just hoping that something happens here and this this story doesn't turn out to be what it looks like it is because if it is this is this is a horrible story give me your thoughts on this thing here ash so first things first we always have to completely acknowledge the victim in this and um i feel sorry for any woman who has, who's been through anything like this um and um yeah that's just the first place i always start like i i, I don't want to go beyond that without just saying that this the idea of assault um claims of rape any any of it is just completely abhorrent and i just find it disgusting I spoke to my boy about this and i just said that like just those kinds of thoughts have never ever like entered my head personally and like even just trying to think about someone who would think about those thoughts was so unsettling for me um that it's really it's a really unsettling thing so to anyone who's could be triggered by this could have heard this and could be going through their own situations that's the first thing i want to say i think um when the news broke earlier on and you kind of heard it was Mason Greenwood, there was a real tinge of sadness because of his age, um, he's an undoubted talent, but all of that stuff goes off the table when this happens. Now, we don't, like, this is still under investigation. There's been an update to say that he's been arrested by the police and within the last hour, um, more is going to come out of this story. But, so the actual facts of what's happened and, and, and everything that's going on, all more will come to light. But just the overall, the overarching theme of abuse, of um, of rape, of subjugating women to, to to a form of bullying or a form of pressure is just absolutely disgusting, and it's just something that we don't stand for at all um, at BRB at Play On as men, um, and I think that's the most important thing. I think you can get into the semantics of him as a player and him being young or all of those kinds of things or what happens next for him. But I just think it's really, really important that everyone just focuses on the fact of the actual act of violence um, is just horrific. And even talking about it is quite it's horrible to even have to speak about it. It is. Um, I'm, I mean... <sighs> I think uh, to any, I want to say to any young men out there mm. who, you know, maybe you don't have good guidance in your life. Um, I'm sure, you know, you know, Ash being a father and, and having a young boy, I'm sure Ash will probably talk to his boy. Maybe now's not the time or maybe, maybe the, uh, there has been conversations, I don't know. But I know that when I was a kid, uh, my mum was always telling me, don't raise your hands to to any woman. Don't hit a woman. Don't go hitting any girl. Stuff like that. So I knew from just before I even went to nursery, before I even went to school, that if there's a girl, I, I'm not supposed to hit her. Mm. 
you know. Um, so maybe there's some some youngins that aren't being given that kind of guidance and they they don't feel a way about hitting women. And to, mm. to any young man, I would say this is wrong. Like, mm. you shouldn't really be hitting your girl, man. Um, you know, if, if you're unsure about how to handle yourself in certain situations with women, seek guidance, man. Pray, mm. meditate. Um, Google Star. Uh, you know what? You can even listen to the Beer Rap and Banter podcast. If you go back to the jump and Mason, if you're listening or if somebody knows Mason, tell him to go listen. Go back, listen to episode one, work your way up, and you will hear us talking about women all the time and our interactions mm. with women and how to you should respect women, how to be respectful of women. And there's episodes when we even talk about things like sex and mm. um, how to approach these kind of delicate and sensitive situations, always to have communication, you know? And if a girl says no, then she says no. It just kind of is what it is. Free will. Free mm. will is the most beautiful thing, I think, about relationships. Because somebody chooses to be with you, somebody chooses to want to be intimate with you and spend their mm. time with you, and it's, it's it's just a priceless feeling when you kind of convince someone to want to be with you. Um, I have no idea what kind of feeling people get from trying to force the situation. Mm. And to be honest, I think if if that's your desire to do that, you need to seek guidance, you need to seek help, and there's. NHS have got free talk lines um, where you can get counselling and stuff like this now for free. Mm. Um, that, that's been going for quite some time now. All you've got to do is just Google, just Google um, NHS uh, counselling and you'll mm. get a number. I'll tell you what, because this is such a serious issue, I'm going to Google it right now. Mm. All right, NHS counselling. And the first link on there, NHS Mental Health Support. Um, so, you know, you click on that and there's a lot of information here. Um, they're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy and counseling for depression and other things that they can help with if you're struggling or if you're feeling stressed. Um, if you've got obsessive thoughts or behaviors, um, you know, so I, I would say this would come under an obsessive thought or a behavior. Mm. You're obsessed with a certain girl and you're, you're, you're kind of acting as ill towards her. Um, and they've even got a section here for young people, um, a, a children and young people's mental health service. Um, so... Yeah, if you're 16 or you're 17 uh, or younger, then you can go through the children's and young people's mental health service. Um, and uh, I'm sure somewhere in this website it's going to be a phone number. I was hoping there was a phone number and I could read it out. Uh, I'm sure that there will be um, or there'll be an email. But definitely seek some guidance if you're if you if you have these kind of urges. Like nobody wants to see a situation like this. Nobody wants to see another story of a young man who kind of lost control or whatever the situation was and he ended up assaulting his girlfriend like be respectful to women treat them well man and they'll treat you well you know give respect get respect that's something that we often used to say on the beat yeah 100 percent 100 percent 
we always say that we're humans first as well and we have to consider people as humans and we have to be humane like think about what is humane so yeah oh, i mean that, uh, another thing i always do is i always preach about somebody uh hit me on instagram the other day and they said that i'm their favorite preacher <laughs> which i thought was hilarious because wow. um I try not to preach. I try to just kind of talk from my experience, talk about myself, talk about my life, what I've done, what I will do, what I, I, mm. I would do, what I should do. But maybe sometimes mm. it doesn't just apply to me. And maybe people think, you know, he's a bit preachy mm. and a bit preacher. But if I am mm. preaching something, I will definitely preach about the need to read about psychology. Because it might just be that if you, if you start reading psychology, you realize that there's something that you need to seek help for specifically maybe you have violent urges and mm. kind of really want to hurt someone and so you need to get some counseling and, and that's mm. the kind of thing that can be fixed man you know it might just be that you bring in an, an outlet for it like maybe you, you get like a punching bag and then you start going hard on the bag every day and then you i think that's something i've heard joe rogan say that he kind of absolutely savages himself like training hard um and he does that early in the morning and then he's just blessed for the rest of the day like he's just so like you know he's just <laughs> you know that like when you're knackered you just ain't got you ain't really you ain't really got all kind of energy or ill feeling or nothing you're just like oh man I'm, I'm, I'm tired <laughs> maybe somebody like Mason Greenwood out there could just go hit the heavy bag the first thing in the morning get all of, all of the stress and whatever he's got going on in his head get that, get that stuff out I don't know I'm no therapist but I just kind of wanted to take the time to say that you don't have to be able to be in situations by yourself you can talk to people you can talk to the NHS um, you can get help you don't have to hit hit your girlfriend man well yeah well that, that that's the that's the accusation at the moment so um i really hope we're able to get into a position where we know a bit more about it because no one wants that to be the case but um but yeah yeah onto onto lighter stuff <laughs> I, I, i'll give you a lighter note that this one isn't mm-hmm. in the notes yeah i was on uh, instagram the other day and i saw rob holden uploaded a picture of him on a holiday and i must say that I thought his sister looked absolutely delightful. Um, oh, wow. So, so shout out to Holden, his sister, and um, yeah, if she isn't married, I wouldn't mind marrying into the Holden family. I'll tell you that. Not holding it down, yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> Always a pun intended with me. <laughs> Always a pun intended. <laughs> um, that would be amazing because um, he's my favourite player actually could you imagine marrying into the family of your favourite player hold on stop stop, stop. Your player all the time. R- R- Rob Holden is your favourite player yeah seriously <laughs> yeah oh wow alright why uh, for non-footballing reasons it was oh because of, oh, of what you've done after the, 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 the Leeds game yeah I mean come on he's a stand-up, oh, yeah, 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 stand-up guy mm. come on like, you don't see that often you don't see that every day you don't see somebody standing up for their guys like that every day and okay, after, cool. I'd, I'd, you know and to be honest with you also when you look at all of the rest of the players in the team <laughs> it's not exactly no disrespect guys but it's not exactly Thierry and and Fabregas and and, and them type of days there in it so yeah, Rob Holden is my favorite player shout out to Rob Holden every day of the week and big up everybody in the squad still 
Okay. Go on, who's your, who's your favourite player while we're at it? Well, at Arsenal at the moment? Yeah. Uh, uh, that is not good, I tell you. That is not good. It's either it's either it's either Saka or Smith Rowe. Jeez, took you so long. And no, you know you didn't, didn't even choose one. <laughs> no, no, I tell you no, no, hold on. I, no, 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 stop, stop. I tell you my favorite. No, my, my favorite player is actually Gabriel. I love. I like Gabriel as a centre back. I think he's. I think he's great. But um, yeah, I think Gabriel's my favorite player when he's not getting sent off. He's solid, man. He might be our best player. Yeah, solid. Um, but yeah, um, away from the Arsenal, um, somebody who I thought was solid was Claudio Ranieri. I thought this guy was, you know, solid football manager. Three months in the job at Watford, and he's out of here. I mean, yeah. was that a surprise to you at all? It's a surprise in the sense of his three months. It's not a surprise that it's Watford because this is how they move. Watford are a very, very, very strange football team in the sense that what they'll do, they'll just get rid of a manager and not really care about the manager and then that'll be it. So I'm not surprised that they've got rid of him um, because they're just a very weird team that does stuff like this. But I thought the timing was was, was bad. But they've just recently got beaten by a, a major relegation rival. Mm. Um they got beaten quite comprehensively, 3-0 at home. Um, they need to stay up. They have to find a way to stay up based off of just kind of what they want to do moving forward. So when you actually see that they've gone this quickly, I don't agree with it wholeheartedly, but you have to act, right? And if you if you really think that person isn't the manager for you, then then doesn't matter whether it's a month or, or three months. I suppose it, the real issue then is why did you appoint him in the first place? That, 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 that. You didn't even really give him a, a fair crack at the whip. Mm. I mean, looking at the bottom of the table, what for the 19th in the league, 14 points. Mm. And I suppose that was a crucial game. That was what you might call a six-pointer, that game mm. against Norwich, right? Because um, that would have taken them to 17 points above Norwich and out of the relegation zone if they won that, as well as obviously pulling Norwich down a little bit. <laughs> um, so maybe it's possible that, you know, they've calculated how many points are realistic for them to get from now to the end of the season and mm. to stay in the league. And then they thought, well, if we can't win this one, you can't afford to drop any more like mm. like because we're going to be playing Manchester United we're going to be playing Liverpool we're going to be playing Arsenal god hopefully they're scared of Arsenal um, they're probably thinking we need to make a change because you know this guy probably said we're going to get three points in the game and he didn't do what he said he was going to do so mm. there you go it might just be that. It might just be he said, I'm going to guarantee you X amount of points by the end of the season and guarantee you safety. And maybe he said, we will have more points at this stage than we have got right now. Um, we've got this article in the BBC that says uh, he was appointed on 4th of October and then he only managed seven points from 13 games. So when you kind of look at it like that, the fact that there's three points in a game, 
That's mm. that, that's over thirty points. That's like thirty six a potential thirty six points that he could have got, and he only got seven. Mm. That's that's actually relegation form, isn't it? That's terrible. That's terrible form. Um, now fourteen games, you think, all right, give him a bit more time. But yeah, if he said, yeah, after at this stage, after however many games, I'll get you this amount of points, and then he was nowhere near where he said he was going to be. Mm. Uh, and you know, then, then then maybe I can see where they're coming from with that. Um, but I wish him all the best. I've always been a fan of the Tinker Man. Um, I did like that cheeky little nickname he had there because he likes tinkering with his tactics and tinkering with his team. Mm. Um, but um, off he goes. Uh, Watford will change at Watford. Yeah, and then obviously um, he's been replaced. So Roy Hodgson's come in. I thought Roy Hodgson was out of the game. I thought it was um, it was time for him to just be completely, completely done and dusted. But um, you know, I heard yeah. talk about um, Hodgson, but I didn't actually know that it was official. So yeah, that's, that's actually news to me right now. Yeah, it's, it's official. Oh, look, five days ago as well, yeah. So um, there's a little statement on the actual club website uh, welcoming Roy Hodgson in as well. Awesome. You know what? I kind of thought Roy Hodgson was the best kind of candidate for a job like this. Like, you want someone who knows a league, someone who's experienced, someone who's been in this specific Mm. position before of fighting a relegation battle. And Roy just ticks all of those boxes, man. He's going to come in. I'm quite confident he's going to come in and he's going to get them fired up and they're going to be all right. Because they do have quality in the squad. Yeah, definitely. We'll see. I think they've got they've got, they've got got attacking quality. Defensively, I think they're really poor. So I think they've got some games in hand. Let's see how it plays out over the next few weeks. There's going to be a real flurry of games coming up. And if he can, if he can get them scoring goals, then I think they'll be all right. Yes, I think they'll be all right. Um, I don't know if he's had time to, to work his magic in the transfer market and get some quality in. Um, he definitely want a new left back because that uh, ex-Spurs player isn't really cutting the mustard, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, struggling. Yeah, good luck to Watford. Let's see what they do over there. Um, we've had a couple of Watford fans on our on our other podcast, actually. Not on the, the football one yet. Maybe we should get one of them on. Mm, definitely. Um, so Rafa Benitez, yeah, he had to, yeah, he had to go too. Like, I think, I think, like, we spoke about him going beforehand, and now we're looking at potentially, I think, Lampard's being muted as being the replacement. Um, straight, yeah, strange circumstances there, like, really, really strange circumstances there. Real irony in Luca Dean coming back and scoring a um, getting a great assist um, to help Villa win one nil. I um yeah, I just think I just think it was it was a good good relationship, and um it'll be interesting to see what Everton do do for the rest of the season, and then whether how they kick on if they do get lamps in, and I think Paul, Paul Clement is being rumored to be the assistant on number two. Mm, lots of change. Look, yeah, lots of change at the moment. But um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know if Evan will really do anything. But, but yeah, it'd be really, it'd be really interesting if you had Lampard doing up Evan for a couple of years, and then maybe Klopp goes and Steven Gerrard becomes the Liverpool manager. 
that would be an, a very interesting um, rivalry that will be um, pitched in a Merseyside. That would be kind of cool. Um, you shifted for a few different gears there, actually. Mm. And, um, for, for me, Benitez, first of all, Benitez getting um, chopped was a surprise to me. I didn't mm. expect to see that. Um, and I do wonder if maybe there's something going on in the background there. Um, we saw that, you know, the ex the player that got shipped out, uh, Lucas Dean, he had a, a little bit of salt, a little bit of a salty comment on social media, a um, bit of a parting shot as he left the club. Um, Steven Gerrard's come out and, and reacted. There's a little article in the Liverpool Echo where he talks about just surprised that Benitez even took the Everton job in the first place because of his connection to Liverpool. Um, so I guess that's something that Stevie G just kind of feels passionately about. Like, look, why would you even take that job? You know, um, and it didn't really work. out. Maybe it's it's turned out to be a bit of a stain on the Benitez managerial record. This this is probably something mm. he never should have done in the first place. Um, then there was talk about Frank Lampard getting the job. I wasn't so sure about that one, to be honest with you. Um, mm. But yeah, he's in now. Um, he's in the driving seat. Um, hopefully, everything goes according to plan for them there. Um, like you mentioned before, uh, Paul Clement has been rumoured to be the assistant, and uh, there's an article in the Telegraph here that confirms exactly that. Um, so, literally, all change at Everton. Frank Lampard in. Paul Clement in as the assistant and also they're expected uh, to be signing Donny van der Beek on loan from Manchester United um, for a loan fee of around 500k as it says here in, in the article um, so what's, what's your thoughts on this whole situation with uh, van der Bizzle going on loan to Everton? Yeah I think he needs to play man I think I think seems a good player whenever he's come on for, for United by the way, there's there's no option for them to buy him. It's just purely a loan. Oh yeah, yeah. He just needs to play because I think I think there's going to be there could potentially be a new manager at United next year. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Paul Pogba. I don't think you can continue with uh, McFred and Tom uh, McFred. So McTominay and Fred. Matt Matic will be a year older. Like Donny Van Der Beek has essentially like had two years of his career just completely put on hold. He needs to do something. He needs to play. And I think if he goes there and, and, and performs well, then it will definitely show up a lot of the stuff that's been going wrong with, um, that's been going wrong with um, these guys not like, like not actually playing him. So yeah, I think, um, I think he'll do well. I think he'll definitely do well. Mm, I think Clement and uh, Lampard know each other really well. So uh mm. Yeah, they should have a good connection there. Clement being a hugely experienced football man, um, I think that would be good for, for Everton. I, I think this could be all right. Um, the only thing is, because Frank isn't such an experienced football manager, that's the only thing where, you know, when you look at the, the recent mm. management that they've had there at Everton, they've had some big-name appointments. Like Benitez is a big-name in football. Ancelotti mm. is a big-name in football. Um and then I think it also says here in this article that they've had that this is Everton's seventh permanent manager in six years. So you'd hope that, OK, the buck stops with lamps now and now it's going to be a new era 
at Everton. They're going to give him the time he needs to, to make things successful. And Everton are a huge football club, man. And mm. they've got some real quality there. You know, if he can just get the boys playing. The good the good thing about Lamps as well is he's worked with Barkley before, hasn't he? So, um, maybe, maybe you could get Barkley in again. Because mm, I I don't, I don't. I don't think things have been going too well for him. Um, yeah, potentially. Potentially, yeah. it could work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm hopeful, man. I'm hopeful. Um, loads of managers changing around. Uh, VDB. We haven't seen the best of him in the Premier League as of yet. Um, although somebody else who we have seen the best of. Is Ivan Tony? Talk to me about Tony Ash. Article here that I, says I don't think we've seen the best of him for social media. You don't think we've seen the best of him? Yet? No, I don't think he's been all that. Like I think he's been like he's been he's been he's got what, six six seven goals, a couple of penalties. He's just been okay. Like he started off the season on fire, mate. Mm, nah, he was Not in everyone's me. fantasy football team at the start of the season. So being on someone's fantasy football team and starting the season off on fire are two different things. Because if he was if he was so on fire, he'd still would be in a lot more people's fantasy football team mm, right now. Started off on fire, is what I said. I never said he's he didn't, still on he didn't, fire. He didn't. He didn't score in his. He didn't score until until his third or fourth game. He didn't yeah. score against us. Okay, but he did have a, a period where he was doing quite well. Yeah, that's different to being on fire. Come on, everybody. No, nah, I don't think he's been that good. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Playing. Everyone was looking. Oh at yeah, no, playing. they would. But and I, everybody I don't... was thinking, okay, Brentford looked decent, but it's this Tony guy out front. Like he, he looks like a really good player. I'm pretty sure he's widely regarded across the Premier League as a good strike. So he scored 31 goals last season. So everyone's thinking he's going to be their main source of goals this year. He hasn't really been their main source of goals this year because. Like he scored seven, but it's not like how it was last year. I don't, I don't think he's played. I don't think he's been that good. It's honest. a huge step up in quality, isn't it? And um, you know, we talked about experienced Premier League strikers like Chris Wood and stuff, and and his goal scoring record isn't so great, is it? Um, so for a man coming up from the league below, having to adapt to a higher uh, level of football with a team that is from the Championship, so it's not like he's got you know established Premier League players around him. I think he's doing quite well. Seven goals. That's not bad. How many did Pinky get um, when he had his good season? 13. There you go. Well, he's got the second half of the season to catch up. Maybe he can get to 10. Mm. I'm just being real. Like, I feel like I'm looking at him as a player. I think he's done I think he's done okay. I don't think he's been great. Like, <laughs> wow. Jamie, okay. I, I, I don't think he's been great. Like, I think, I think, I think people talk about great and like, yeah, yeah he's, done, he's done a decent job so far, but I don't. I can't sit down and see, say to him like, oh, he's been, his ah, oh, sorry, he's got six goals this season. He's got six goals. So these, so he scored in the third game, the fifth game, the twelfth game, the thirteenth game, the twenty-second game, and the twenty-third game of the okay. season. I know we think of strikers as having to score goals, but we've seen players like Olivier Giroud and more recently Alex Lacazette, who can play an absolutely brilliant game of football but not score any goals. And I honestly think Tony has been putting in some excellent performances for Brentford. So I'm just going to stand behind saying I think he's been on fire. He's 
been playing, we've seen what he can do. We have seen the best of him. But I just don't think we've ever seen the best of Donny van der Beek in the Premier League. Oh, even, no, I agree with Even that. in one game, I haven't seen van der Beek looking like the player that he's supposed to be. The guy from Ajax, the guy that... No, I agree. I agree that... I agree that Donny van der Beek hasn't. I just don't believe we've got a player on fire in Ivan Tony because I feel like in 23 games I would expect I would expect more than six goals and two assists. Fair and when enough, and when I enough, when I watched enough. him play, like he's 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 a nuisance. At one stage he was linked with Arsenal. I'm not gonna lie, yeah. If we buy Ivan Tony, I'm gonna be fuming. <laughs> I'm gonna tell the truth. Like he's actually gonna start supporting Spurs. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not of the required standard. Now, what's really interesting about this is he seems to be feeling like feeling like he's he's doing very well because he came out with a with, with a comment that there's a video that's been clipped of him essentially saying like f f u c k Brentford. Now Brentford's the team that he plays for. The team has given him the the platform to even be in the Premier League this year. Yes, he scored a lot of goals to help them get up there, but like we said, football is an, a, a game of 11 players, not just one. Um, it's been clipped. He's apologised to, like, to, to the fans. I think the managers the managers are ready to move on from this. But it's very, very dangerous what you say when there's always going to be a phone around. Someone's always recording. Someone's always, whether it's on Snapchat, whether it's on TikTok, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on whatever, like WhatsApp, someone is always recording you. So when you say stuff like this, you have to be very, very mindful because what people don't do is people don't always apply context. People don't do that. People will be like, "Ah, oh, he said this. Oh, this is now the story. They don't know. He could have been saying something else. We don't know. But it's now come out. He's had to apologize for himself. So you're you're like like your your words mean a lot. And you have to be very, very mindful. I think he's going to he's going to look to he's going to look to to go past this. And actually, if he does go on fire and he scores, say, six or seven goals between now and the end of the season, then it will all be forgotten. Well, if he is gassed, it's probably the fault of people like me gassing him up, making him think he's better than he really is. But I'm not trying to say he's a world-class player or nothing. But, you know, he has scored two goals in his last two games, including against Manchester United. Mm. He's not helped the team to win those games. But he's put the ball in the back, isn't it? And when I've seen him play, I've seen some little bits of techers that I thought, okay, that's impressive. I like him. Yeah. I think he's a good player. But yeah, um, the news is is obviously, uh, yeah, a bit shocking to say the least. Because I don't know why you would want to uh, flip off your own team. Um, but there you go, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, swiftly moving on. This guy, Traore. Now, he's one of these players that <laughs> I would say he's more of an athlete than a footballer. Like one of these players that I find can excel in football because of their athletic attributes. Like he's really fast and he's really strong, and and that that can really help him to. You know, to to be effective in the football field, but he's going to sign for Barcelona, and that's where he came from. So you'd think coming from a place like uh, La Masia, known for producing some of the world's best young talent, um, and then even 
having a football career and going back there, you'd think this guy is an actual baller, baller. But sometimes it kind of looks like he isn't. Um, so I just don't, <laughs> I don't understand the signing. I know that Barcelona are broke. Um, so that's why they're, they're doing a lot of wheeling and dealing right now. Um, but I, I've heard that they've, um, they've gone for Danny Alves. They've re-signed the veteran defender, Danny Alves, which was surprising. I mean, I know uh, Javi's been brought back in as the manager. Um, and um, he obviously played with Danny Alves in that team that was widely regarded as, you know, the best football team of all time, that that incredible Barcelona team. Um, but he's 38, man. He's <laughs> mm. 38 years old, a 38-year-old Danny Alves. Like, a Barcelona that broke. A 38-year-old Danny Alves and Adama Traore. Um, they've also signed Ferran Torres, uh, so the, I've got an article from the Athletic here talking about their signings. Um, 55 million euros for Ferran Torres. That could be one for the future. Um, we've seen him mostly play on the wing for City. Although I do think he's a he's a guy capable of playing down the middle as a striker. Mm. Um, so you'd think, okay, he can come in and play down the middle. And then they've got Memphis Depay who can maybe tuck in and play in behind the striker. And then you can play Adama Traore on the right. And then you've got young Ansu Fati who can play on the left wing. Um, and then that, uh, young Pedri as well and, and Gavilan and these guys who can play in the midfield and create chances. So, okay. Maybe that's what's going on there. But what do you make of this? Adama Traore to Barcelona? I did not see that coming. Um... He's... He's he's a he's a weird footballer, man. Like all the attributes are there for him to be exceptional, but he just doesn't deliver the end, the end product. And before he was he was still like very much a nuisance, but didn't score a lot, or didn't assist much. And now he's not even that, and he's not doing that. I think um. I think he's just going to be one of those players who's going to bounce around teams, um, just be a, just being a sideman for the rest of his career. I think I think when he was at Wolves, he had everything set up for him to actually become like a real top Premier League player, and he didn't kick on, just didn't kick on the way he should have. And yeah, I think he'll always be remembered as someone who didn't fulfil the promise that he actually made. So. Yeah, maybe I, I'd love to be wrong, but I don't think I am going to be wrong. Loan for the remainder of the season and a potential 35 million euros permanent move in the summer. So the fact that they've worded it here like this in the athletic, mm. a potential move, kind of makes you think maybe it's just an interim and then they can decide if they want to keep him on. I mean, I think it is possible that going back to Spain in a slower league, where he's got all that pace to burn. And, you know, uh, maybe if he takes his time, maybe it's the it's the speed of thought. Because sometimes his decisions seem a bit rash and he shoots and it just goes so high and wide and you're just thinking, oh, my days. Um, 
So maybe because you're playing at like 100 miles an hour in the Premier League, maybe you put him in a slower league where they can do more of the tiki taka. Like that's kind of what he came up on. Um, maybe maybe he'll be successful. And then you know when they can get a little through ball onto him, he's got the pace to get in behind. Put one in, Ferran Torres to knock that in. Maybe 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 it could work. But um, at the bottom of the article there, they're saying that. Uh, Barcelona have debts of 1.3 billion euros. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why you go for a player like Adama Traore because you know you can get him for 35 million euros, he'll do a job, and he's not going to be asking for 300 grand a week, you know. So keep your wage bill down. Get someone like Dembele off the wage bill. He's probably going for. Well, he must be on a lot of money per week. He was looking like one of the world's best young talents at one point, wasn't he? So, interesting things happening over there. Anyway, uh, we've been recording for a lot longer than I actually thought we would be today, considering that we didn't have uh, any Premier League football to talk about. But we've got one last story to talk about before we wrap this up. And it's a great one. Crystal Palace becoming the first team to offer an aftercare program for released players. Talk to me about this one, Ash. I was going to submit this story myself, but you got there just before, just when I was going into the app to put the story in, I saw you had it from the exact same publication, Versus. Shout out to Versus, because I absolutely love this this publication here. They get some some great stories, and I didn't see this story anywhere else at the time that they published it to. Yeah, I saw it on on socials. I just think it's an amazing thing to do. I think um, aftercare in so many things is super, super important. And the job that I do has young people from the age of 13 to 18 that I support. So even when they leave school, they have two years of aftercare with me going into whatever they kind of do. So I'm the biggest believer in aftercare because so many people fall down during the transition and so many people get to a stage where it becomes very, very difficult for them to actually understand certain things and, and, and be clear about what their next steps would kind of be and again when you've been um when you've been kind of like school to a very high level um and you've been exposed to the the lifestyles or, or what it means to kind of be around stuff like football to then just have that dream taken away from you can be really like demoralizing so for them to have like an actual um structure in place to be able to look after people um i just think it's amazing i think it's wonderful and I really hope that it's the first of many schemes that are like this for young people. I think it's fantastic. I saw um, a player who made a a short film um, and uh, he was talking about his experience of not making it and how it really affected his mental health. Mm. And I just thought, wow. And it was something I'd never thought about before like what happens to the youngsters who grow up playing football every single day they always dream about being a footballer and then they just get released from an academy and they don't mm. end up signing another club doesn't take them on and then, and then what like what are you just supposed to supposed to work for Greg's like mm. uh, what are you supposed to do how, and how are you supposed to how do you handle the disappointment of not making it what is there and and that's what his film was about, and I thought it was it was a sobering uh, look at a particular aspect of football and youth development. So to mm. see something like this, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I have to shout out Crystal Palace and everyone involved. And there's a great quote here 
uh, from Gary Issa, the academy director, where he says, um, you know, they've had like-minded people at the club. They made the decision to give players a three-year aftercare package. The chairman, Steve Parrish, has been very supportive. Um, and it's not just their remit to produce first-team players for Crystal Palace. They feel like they have a duty to nurture and guide the players within their academy, whether they make it into the first team or not. Yeah. And he, I think he's talking about the chairman, uh, promoted the values of empathy and places the human at the heart of our processes. That is absolutely fantastic leadership from Steve Parrish. A big salute to Steve and to Crystal Palace and everybody involved in this initiative here. This, this, this is, I just think this is revolutionary. And it looks like the kind of thing where other clubs are going to go ahead and put together some kind of an aftercare package too. Um, and these youngsters, they're going to be all right, man. Yeah, no, it's so important. I think it's a great, it's fair. I think it's a great, considering everything that's going to happen today and what we've spoken about, I think it's a great story to end on. Most definitely, man. We gonna be all right, as uh, Kendrick Lamar says. Um, so, if there's nothing else, Ash, speak now or forever hold your peace. No, just this two-one in the Senegal game. Um, it went to one-one. Ekaturu Guinea equalised, and then Kayate has just scored to make it two-one. And there's 20 more minutes to go. 20 minutes to go. Look at that. Looking like Senegal are going to make it. Um, we'll see. Um, well, that's going to be it from me. Um, I think that's Ash saying he signed off already. So don't forget to, to follow us on the socials at Beer at Brads, at Podcast Play On. We'll catch you two weeks from now. I'll see you on the next one. Yeah, peace. <laughs>